Welcome to Glove Talk, your weekly news and boxing. Welcome to Glove Talk, your weekly news and boxing. Due to the channel and enjoy the video, make sure to hit the like button. If you want to see more like this, hit the subscribe button. And so let's kind of break stuff down. So the way we're going to go about this is we're going to start with the various fights from this weekend. Then we're going to go from through the weight classes in terms of news, going from the lightest to the heaviest. So let's kind of get into this a little bit. First, we're going to start with Oscar Valdez undercard and then go to kind of the main fight with him right off the bat. The first thing I want to kind of point out, I'm going to show a video a little bit um, and some context to this this undercard fighter which is Elvis Rodriguez. I really like this kid. This is someone I highly recommend if you haven't seen some of his work or seen some of his fights to go back through YouTube and kind of check him out a little bit. Now he hasn't fought obviously like serious contenders or anything like that yet. But what we do see is, you know, guy with eight no record and he does have one uh, draw, which I guess, guess was like a technical draw. So, you know, take from that what you will but he does have eight KOs. And the interesting thing about him to me is, I see a kid that's um, a lot of the fundamentals are there. He looks great. He looks like he has good power, good size for the weight class as well. To add everything on top of that, he has Freddie Roach and as his trainer. You know, a guy like Freddie Roach, they don't take their time to train someone who they don't feel passionate about or feel as though, you know has some kind of i would say gift or you know something special a little extra so for me watching elvis in particular i'm very kind of critical of when i see someone like a freddie roach kind of in the corner of this kind of guy i want to see something that tells me this guy is is the real deal and so far from what i've seen he looks like he has all the tools to be a good prospect a really good fighter um like i said he's still very new very young but he has the size, he has the power, he has a lot of the fundamentals. This knockout I'm going to be showing you guys, I mean, this is, this is to me, textbook right down the middle. So for me, this was kind of an interesting part of the undercard. Another thing to mention in the undercard was Isaac Dogbay. I really like Isaac Dogbay. I know he's not the flashiest of fighters to some people. I know he's in a weight class that a lot of people kind of ignore a little bit more. But let's be honest, this kid is, I believe he's 25, 26 years old. He's in his mid-20s. He's a former champion. Yes, he got beat by Navarrete. I, I get that. But, I mean, this guy still has some, you know, rubber on the wheel, so to speak. He still has some time. I would not be surprised to see him fight for a title again. I mean, he's doing very well right now. He's he's had several knockouts in, in his last couple fights. You know, Isaac Dogbe, in my opinion, is someone that is going to be in this weight class and really a major contender in this weight class for a while. But I want to give him a little quick shout out because I'm a fan of him in general. Moving on to Oscar Valdez and the main event against Jason Velez. So first, right off the bat, the thing I noticed is it looked like Oscar was trying to do something a little different. And I, and I get it. You know, Reynoso is now his trainer and the way he would maybe get trained compared to beforehand to now with Reynoso. Reynoso has a certain kind of, you know, caliber of fighter that he usually trains. So that gives a lot of kind of validation to Oscar Valdez as a fighter. So I'm very curious to see how he was in this fight. And it just looked like a guy that was trying to do something that's not natural to him. 
that's how I would describe it. And that's okay. That's not a bad thing. That just means he might need more time with Renoso. But at the same time, it might just be that they're not a good fit. Because, you know, Oscar Valdez, the one thing I have to say about this kid, he can go to war. He can absolutely go to war. We all saw when he had his, his jaw broken and he just absolutely has no quit in him. So I love that about this kid. But at the same time, I don't know if the you know skills they're trying to impart on him are really the ones that he should be having or if they should just say this is the way he is and let him go in there and just bang you know it's just some of those some guys have a long career and can really utilize certain skills in terms of you know hitting and not being hit uh some guys have certain kind of skills oscar valdez is just a you know take two to get one sometimes kind of guy and that's not a bad thing that's an exciting fan kind of favorite kind of style really when it comes to a fighter i just didn't see anything that makes me super excited about him going against miguel burchelt honestly it made me very nervous seeing how he was in this fight i think burchelt in comparison would just i see domination i just see burchelt just being too big too strong too powerful and uh you know valdez just not being able to cope with that so you know i think that you know he is what he is i would love to see how he develops like i said this is his first time in this camp he's trying new things so let's see how he develops overall it could be good it could be bad uh but regardless he did get the win he did get the stoppage in the 10th so you know props to him for that so moving on to DeZone's first card which was friday night and oh boy i got some strong feelings about this so normally in these kind of videos i don't i try not to swear but this card is gonna make it hard not to swear because there was just so much bs in this card i cannot believe the quality of fighter, the quality of just presentation, everything about this fight, these fights and this card was just hot garbage. It was, it made me appreciate the top rank fights. Really, it really did. Cause just, there was just nothing really all that good with these fights. Let's go to the main event though. And that is Virgil Ortiz. Now this kid to me, and I'm gonna, go out and just be very quite honest this kid looks special to me now i know he's facing someone that maybe isn't the greatest fighter samuel vargas is not a bad fighter he went the distance with amir khan he went he went fairly far with i think he went half the distance with uh earl spence this kid has been basically a mid-level fighter someone that upper echelon kind of a gatekeeper that was really prevalent just based on how well he had a great chin how much punishment he took in this fight so let's talk about virgil ortiz and why i think he might be special number one right off the bat just the fundamentals of having a great jab like that i mean his jab is powerful meaningful and well utilized it's one of the first things I notice about a boxer is do they utilize a jab and do they utilize it well? And Virgil Ortiz use, utilizes it in spades. I love when I see that. So check right off the box. Number two, he's got a great trainer, obviously. I mean, there's no question about, you know, the pedigree of, of his trainer and it's just 
you know, Garcia's been there for a long time now. It was sad that he couldn't have him there. But at the same time, you know, with COVID and everything like that, I get it. Moving on from that was the power. The power of what we saw, you know, the fact he has these knockouts. I think it's he's 16 now with 16 knockouts is obvious. And obviously he was going for that in this fight and he had to work for it a little bit more. Part of that's head hunting and being the headliner. Part of that, I think, is just being in there with a guy that has a good chin. If you look at his his box rec record, Vargas has a, a very solid record in terms of having a good chin. You know, add on top of that, he's 22 years old. He's only going to get stronger. He's gonna, only going to get more powerful. And then you add in, I'm going to show this clip right here of his footwork. And this, this is what excites me when I see a kid do stuff like this. A 22-year-old with footwork like this. That's not something you see every day. Is it the most incredible? Like, it, has it never been done? No, it's been done for a long time. But when you see a 22-year-old do that, and it's so instinctual, he's not thinking. When you're moving like that, you're not thinking. You're just reacting. And that's what he does to get those angles to find those weak points that to me signifies a real interesting fighter i mean and to do it at the speed and just to me i just saw something a little bit special virgil ortiz is the future of the welterweight division he's 22 years old when he gets bigger and he gets stronger he is going to be a menace in this weight class. Now, I know he's talked about Danny Garcia. He's talked about Thurman in particular to fight. I think both guys are getting up there in age. Both guys are not quite the fighter they were. Thurman in particular, I would I'd want to point out because we know with Thurman in particular, he has an issue with making weight. He's openly talked about this several times. He's talked about walking around at 180, 185. So for me, if I was Virgil, I would go right after Thurman. Thurman is, to me, the guy that would fit well for him because he's going to have to just get so weight drained that the power that Thurman used to have in being that one time is not going to be there. That's my opinion. Um, I think Danny Garcia is a good fighter, but I mean, this kid, Virgil Ortiz, is going to be, I, in my opinion, the future of the welterweight division. So our, for our third fight of the week, we're going to talk about Joe Joyce versus Michael Walsh. And um, not very impressive. Uh, wasn't a great fight for Joe Joyce. Now, he did get the win in the third round. I believe he got the KO. But I mean... The amount of times he got hit was just not very good. It just did. He, he, maybe it's ring rust. I don't know. But it's very interesting with Joe Joyce. I feel like every time I see Joe Joyce, there's a lot of criticism towards him. And then when he's not fighting, I see a lot of his fans talking, talking about how great he is and everything like that, how he's a top 10 heavyweight, which he's not. Um, I'm just going to be very honest with you. I'm not a fan of Joe Joyce. I, I think I tweeted something like after watching Joe Joyce, I feel like a cheetah. I mean, he's just so slow. He's so slow. 
and I just see a guy that gets hit way too much. Way too much. The announcers even got kind of try to make an excuse for it saying oh well he needs a couple rounds and to get warmed up it's just like you can't do that do that against a dillian white he'll hit you with a, a lead left hook and just put you to sleep do that against any of the major heavyweights they'll do that to you i mean it's just i'm sorry i just don't see him beating daniel dubois and i don't see him changing i don't see him changing his style he is what he is I don't think he's a bad fighter. I just think he's reached his ceiling at European level. I just don't see him above European level. I don't think he will ever be a serious contender. I have to applaud him though. He he did kind of come to this position later in life. He is an Olympian. He I think I believe he's a silver medalist. That's great. I just don't see him going to that next level. And that's my opinion on him. So with that said, we are going to go from the lightest weight class to the heaviest weight class in news, and we're going to get right into it. So right off the bat, Chuck Letito and Estrada are set to fight in October, and I'm super pumped for this. I'm very excited for this rematch. I think that we're seeing, you know, with Chuck Letito especially, I'm a big Chuck Letito fan. He's one of the first, you know, guys in that weight class that I really had a passion for and was a big fan of so for me i'm a big chocolatito fan i think he's easy first round hall of famer i'm really excited for this fight i'm glad that they got this done and i can't wait to see what happens for this so moving on from that now interesting side note we have here navarrete and magdaleno look like they are going to be ordered to fight by the wbo i have some issue with this it's just kind of well some people got really screwed in this and it's they basically moved around some of the rankings so that this could happen and if you want to look into it more go ahead but i'm excited for the fight i really am i am leading towards navarrete winning but i mean magdaleno is a very solid opponent i mean very solid this is like one of those 55 45 type of fights if not almost 50 50 depending on who you ask this is a very good fight so with that said i'm very excited to see what happens here now moving up to lightweight ryan garcia so i had some very negative things to say a couple weeks back about ryan garcia and luke campbell but oscar de la hoya says that fight fans will finally respect ryan garcia after he beats luke campbell and i have to say I 110% agree with Oscar on this. I don't normally agree with promoters, but I have to agree with him on this. I, I'm someone, I am totally one of those people that do not respect Ryan Garcia 100% because of his resume. Doesn't have an Olympic background. I just don't see necessarily this kid being a superstar the same way I see someone like a Virgil Ortiz. I just, I don't see it. But I do see a good looking kid that has great skills and that can be developed and can change. He's young enough. I believe he's 21 years old. He's young enough that he can absolutely develop and be something special. I'm not saying that that's not possible. But if he beats Luke Campbell, I will 100% mark my words. I will absolutely eat my words about him and I will give him the respect he deserves. And I think that that's why he's taking this fight. I think that Ryan Garcia 
is going to take this fight. I know a lot of people feel like he's kind of been ducking Luke or been ducking big fights in general. I think he's going to take this. I think the money might be there for this. I'm really excited to see this happen. I think we are going to get a very good understanding of what Ryan Garcia is from this fight. And guess what? If he does win, just like Oscar said, I will absolutely think of him and that next level. He will certainly be in my book. If he wins this fight, he is above Devin Haney. I know Devin Haney has a WBC belt, but he got gifted that through email. I mean, Ryan Garcia, if he wins this fight, he's looking at a WBC title shot. He absolutely deserves it. And I would actually probably favor him over possibly Devin Haney if he beats Luke Campbell. So I think Oscar's actually on point with this. I don't necessarily, you know, agree with promoters often, but I think he's actually on the ball with this one. And I think that a lot of people would agree that if he does win, he does deserve a lot of respect. The next thing we're going to be talking about is Tank Davis and Leo Santa Cruz. Now, what's interesting about this fight is that they're talking about having a multi-weight belts being on the line, a 130 and 135. It maybe has happened, but I haven't really heard a lot of this kind of two different belts at two different weight classes being on the line. It's interesting. It is interesting. The one thing I will say is I think Tiafimo Lopez mentioned that he believes Tank Davis will make the 130 weight. And I absolutely agree with him. Looking at Tank Davis's social media and looking at him sparring and just hitting the heavy bag. Yeah, I mean, he looks like a welterweight. He looks like a welterweight. He does not look like he's going to hit 130. If he couldn't hit 135 for the Gamboa fight, it makes me very concerned for him. Tank Davis needs to stay lean. He needs to stay in, in the gym constantly. He's just not a big guy. So I'm very concerned for him because if he gets weight trained and he doesn't have that kind of knockout power that he's known for, Leo Santa Cruz is going to just eat him up. Leo Santa Cruz isn't a total knockout artist. He's he's not. I mean, he has, you know, 19 of uh, 19 knockouts out of 37 fights. So he's not like he doesn't have the ability to just wear you down, but he's not a one punch knockout guy. Tank Davis needs to be able to knock out guys with one punch or seriously hurt them with one punch. If he's weight drained for this and he can't do that, Leo Santa Cruz is going to throw three, four, five punches to his one. And I have a lot of feeling that if it goes the distance, Leo Santa Cruz is going to win. So I'm concerned about this fight. Very interesting, though. I've just never seen this kind of setup. Moving on, actually, to just middleweight, because we've already touched on some of the welterweight guys a little bit and just, well, Virgil Ortiz in particular. So we're just going to go straight to middleweight. And that's Jason quickly saying that if Canelo gives him a shot, it's essentially going to be like Apollo Creed giving Rocky a shot. I think that's fair. And I have to commend Jason Quigley for realizing his level and status in the middleweight division because it's such a stacked division. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that it's great that he's throwing his name in the hat. I don't think he's going to get picked because I think we all believe that now it looks like, you know, a deal's been done. It, lo it looks like it's going to be Smith. I think it should be Smith. I think that's the fight that DAZN needs. 
And the reason I say that is we're starting to see now this new report that Canelo for September 12th is at risk because he's having issues with DAZN. If DAZN can't make Canelo happy, um, and especially an opponent level, getting him viewership, I'm, I mean, they're really going to be hurting as a platform. I was so in, unimpressed with their Virgil Ortiz card and just at every setup that they had there. So let's see what happens. I, I do think he is going to get the Smith fight for this, luckily. Uh, but I can understand a little bit more now why things have been so, you know, who's he going to fight? So from that, let's go to heavyweight to the big boys. And the first thing I have some good news, and that is AJ's knee is feeling good. It seems like he's ready to go. There's talk of him getting ready to spar. Um, I'm very happy about this because it seems like how AJ and Pulev look like they're going to be having their fight later this year. I'm I'm very happy to hear that. I want to hear about AJ kind of getting this fight out of the way. Like I said, I think Pulev is very much a good match for AJ. I think AJ beats him handily and I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but I do want to give an update on AJ's health and he is doing well. Uh, there's this great uh, picture of AJ and Tyson Fury kind of talking. Tyson Fury's in the car and AJ just looks he looks thick, man. He looks big. And, uh, you know, his he looks like he's back up at that 260 weight for sure. He's looking like a big boy right now. And I don't think that is him putting on weight so much. I think that's him bulking up a little bit. I think there is a little bit weight there, but I, I think AJ is going to slim down just a little bit. You know, being that 250, 255 range, he's going to look great. And I expect big things from him with the pool F fight easy knockout if you ask me in the first six rounds so finally we're going to talk about roy jones jr and mike tyson so i did a video on these guys and it got a ton of traction i couldn't believe how many views it got it actually is the most viewed video i've ever had it was just me reacting to the whole situation the news and it did very well for me so if you're new to the channel because of that thank you for stopping by again and watching some more of my content but i thought instead of that i would kind of break down some new information that we have about this fight and give it a prediction it give you my honest opinion about it and what i expect to see from this fight so first off the bat the pay-per-view rights have been bought for 50 million dollars yeah. So already right off the bat, there's a lot of money on the table here. A lot of money on the table. And it makes sense now why Mike turned down the $20 million offer for bare knuckle. I mean, it's very obvious why he turned that down. I want to point out that I think Mike's expecting more than one fight. Not necessarily with Roy, but in general, I think Mike is trying to have more than one fight. And I'll tell you why. Mike wasn't interested in fighting at all a year ago. When he was on the Joe Rogan podcast. I keep bringing this up. If you haven't seen this, go watch it. Or go watch the clip of him talking about working out. Zero interest in working out. Zero interest in fighting. And now here he is looking like a Greek god at his age. You know, super into this idea of, of fighting. And there's only been one major thing that's changed since then. In my opinion, that I know of. And that is that Mike has announced and made the purchase of this land in Southern California for his new ranch. 420 acres 
of Southern California land. I cannot imagine how much money he spent on that land. I mean, and what he's putting into this ranch. Serious money. I mean, crazy serious money. They're talking about him making half a million dollars in a month. Funny how that happens and then suddenly Mike Tyson gets back into fighting. Just pointing that out. What I think is going to happen. This is how I'm going to break down my prediction. You ready? I have a two prediction kind of scenario. 70% on the first one. 30% on the second one. First prediction. What I think is most likely going to happen. I think what we're going to see is two guys get in the ring with 12 ounce gloves instead of 10. No headgear. And a idea that if someone gets cut, the fight's getting stopped. There's no judges. There's no winner. And I think we're going to see just a friendly exhibition sparring match. And by friendly, I mean body work, no headshots. Each guy gets to shine a little bit. I'm not thinking like WWE level scripting, but a little bit of, hey, I'll let you kind of, Roy, just show some speed and footwork. Mike shows some kind of power and I'll, I'll shell up in the corner and you just hit my gloves a bunch and look super powerful at the beginning. You know, these guys have done enough fighting in their lives that they know how to make something look sellable. And considering that they want to have multiple fights, I don't know if Roy does, I know Mike does, they need to make it and sell it well enough that people want to see more. So I think it won't be super scripted, super boring. I think we'll get a little bit of our money's worth to see them move around well. Have a little sparring some body shots like i said not so much to the head but some fun kind of entertainment the undercard will probably be a mess i'm hearing about youtube fighters being on it i'm hearing about like mma fighters being on the undercard whatever could be fun my second prediction i give this a 30 percent chance of happening so it's not totally out of the realm but not what i think is intended I think these guys get in the ring and based on what I've seen from Roy the last couple years, because people always like to say, oh, well, Roy Jones Jr. has been fighting since 2018. Really? Has he really? Go look at his 2018 fight. Go look at his 2017 fight. Those aren't real fights. Those are exhibitions. And his last major fight actually was probably 2015 where he got knocked out cold. Before that, the only real contender he fought was in 2010. Better than Mike, for sure. But let's be real about it. What makes me concerned and why I give a 30% chance for the second prediction is that Roy in the last couple fights grabbed on and in the clinch, kind of showboated and threw some uppercuts, hit the guy a couple times, and then peeled off when he wanted to. Does some... You know, handwork, drops his hands, kind of grabs the guy, keeps doing it. That's what he's done. And my fear is he's going to do that with Mike Tyson. The last guy to do something like that with. Who will not appreciate that if you're trying to showboat on him. A guy who has openly admitted to not being mentally stable. And when you got a, someone like that and someone tries to embarrass them or showboat on them, their ego kicks in. And I think it only takes one punch with some serious intention behind it from either Roy or Tyson. 
and I think we get a very different picture. I think we get a fight where some punches are thrown at the head uh, by both guys, and both guys start really fighting. I'm not thinking like all-out war, but I'm thinking enough where they're starting to get nasty with each other in the ring. And I think that they get pulled apart and during, you know, the break in between rounds, I see both corners being like, hey, calm down. It's just an exhibition. I would not be shocked to hear that from a cornerman. Hey, just, hey, it's an exhibition. Calm down, you know, do your thing. And things just not quite being to script, so to speak. The closer we get, I'll kind of read it out and I'll probably do another prediction. But to me, there's a good chance this goes from being a friendly little exhibition to being something a little bit more than just an exhibition real quick. And I think that when you have two guys, I know Mike at the end of his career wasn't the most fiery fighter and, and quit and everything like that. I get that. I get that. I just, I think when you got competitors, guys like this that are that competitive, neither one of them wants to look bad. And I think if someone throws something with a little bit of intention, we get a very interesting fight. So with that said, I'm going to end it on that. Thanks for stopping by the channel. If you're new, make sure to hit that like button and subscribe. And I'll talk to you next week. Thanks. Thanks for listening. This was Glove Talk. New episodes every Sunday.